We're learning today um, Shvuot, Daf Yud Zion, page 17. We're going to start two lines from the bottom on Ted Zion Amad Beit. Um, there's a two dots there. You see Ted Zion Amad Beit is where we left off. And we've been discussing um, that if a, the case of somebody becoming Tameh, becoming impure, right, in the Beit HaMikdash itself, right, that he becomes libo the carbon if he, if, this, if he tarries there for a certain amount of time. We discussed exactly what that was yesterday. But if he tarries, and he does that inadvertently, he does it for Shogek. Um, what we haven't discussed is a case of where he um, does it bemaze it. If he does it intentionally, bemaze it, so then the, the, he has transgressed a law, a lotase in the Torah. So like most lotases in the Torah, the punishment is malkot. It's the lashes. So the Gemara now is going to discuss that case. So by Rava, Rava asked the following question: Sarik Shehia Lamalkot or Ain Sarik Shehia Lamalkot? Do does he do do we require a length of towering, <laughs> towering, towering? Okay, fine. Of of delaying leaving the Beit Hamikdash, right? In order to get Malkot when he was bemazed or no? And the question is like this: Well, carbon Kamiri Shehia, right? Was it only for for the requirement of a carbon when you did it? Did the act when you delayed it inadvertently, right? That the we have an oral tradition that you need this amount of time. But Lamalka, but when you did it intentionally, and you're going to get lashes. Logamiri shehia. There was no tradition that you needed to to delay it all in the Beit Hamikdash. In other words, as soon as you, um, you know, as soon as within one second of delay, right, you would get Malka. Maybe that's the quick, quick because it's bemazed. It's worse in this case. It's intentional. Oh, Doma, as we move to Yod Zion, or perhaps, Bifnim Gemiri Shehia, right? At a case where the Tuma occurred inside the Beit HaMikdash, then we have this tradition that you need a delay, in, or a certain level of delay, in order to get the punishment. Loshan al carbon, it makes no difference if it's for a sacrifice when you were inadvertent. For Loshan al no difference for lashes when you did it you did it intentionally. And to that, the Gemara says, Teiku, let the question stand. We don't have an answer for it. Okay, so we're not sure what happens if you do a it. <clears throat> a second question, asked by the same person, by Rava. Rava asked this question as well. Um, kind of a funny question. Tola Atzmo bi Avir Azara. If a person hung himself, <laughs> not like in trying to kill himself, but he suspended himself, right, in the air of the Azara. Maho. And then, and what's the halacha? And then, and he became Tamei, and he delayed. Now, um, to, to go back to yesterday, the, the, uh, you didn't mention it before, but the amount of time you have to wait, the Gemara, the Mishnah really had said, it's the amount of time it takes to do a full bowing down, prostrating yourself. So, the question is, over here, if you suspend yourself in the air, the Gemara goes on to say, Ki gamiri shahia. maybe when we have this tradition that you need to delay this amount of time, is shia debat hishtakava. It's a delay that could lead to prostrating yourself, meaning you're on the ground, right? But the law bat hishnakava, but if it's a delay in a situation where you could not possibly bow down, lo gamiri, we didn't learn that out. We didn't learn that halacha, meaning that since I'm, I'm suspended here and I can't prostrate myself, then no matter how long I stay, I'm not going to be liable to the korban. So it's, so that it's not simply this man of bowing. It's the fact that you bow, that right. you're doing a service. That you, That's so, right. right. So it's not simply... Right. It's Except I don't actually have to bow, but I have to be fit to bow. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So I'm saying that there's more than just being there. More than just it being there. The service, right. Getting back to the, the sex with the nida. Right. That it wasn't simply... It, it, there's more to it. There's, we talked about you know having sex and... It, Right. We're going to get to that today, actually. Okay, also, anyway, yeah. so I'm saying so that yeah. suggests that it's it's not simply time. Right. It's either intention or the service or right. Right. It's not just time. Right. Exactly. At least according to this side of the question, we're on Yud Zion and we're um, five lines down, we're in the middle of that line, about four four words. But is the is the question is he raising the question because he couldn't. Because it wouldn't be possible. It wouldn't be possible to prostrate himself. That's right. Right. Exactly. But then the Gemara he then flips it around. He says, "Oh, Dilmar, perhaps maybe really it just is a time issue." That's yeah. the question. The other side of it, Bifnim Shia Gamiri, right? We learned the tradition that you need to delay this amount of time in the Beit Hamikdash after becoming Tameh. 
And lo shana, there's no different, the batishtakava, whether you are capable of bowing in that situation. Lo shana, the la batishtakava. And it makes no difference if you're not capable of bowing. And again, the Gemara says, Teiku, let that question stay. So it becomes a question that we leave, that you actually have to be fit to bow. Is it more than time? Is it also like um, situation? Or is it just time? That's really what it comes down to. Now the Gemara has a third question. This is by a new person, Ravashi. By Ravashi. Ravashi asks another question. Now this, Rashi says, is dependent on the outcome of the first question. The first question was, do we also require that amount of time of a delay in the Beit HaMikdash when the delay was bemazed, was intentional? So he says, if we're going to answer that question, yes. That even for bemazed, you need that. So now the question is, um, what about a case where, forget about the delay was amazing, but you actually contaminated yourself in the Beit HaMikdash intentionally. See, before when we said amazing, it was the delay was amazing. Here it's the act of contamination. So maho, does, do you now also require that amount of time of a delay to, to be liable carbon or not? Do we say ba'ones kamiri shihia? That it was only ac- went through accidental impurity that we learned out that you need that amount of time. But b'meizid loga miri shihia. But if you intentionally um, contaminated yourself, it, we don't require that amount of time. Odilma, or perhaps bifnim kamiri shihia. Now, we learned this tradition of any time that tuma occurs inside the Beit HaMikdash, lo shana ba'ones, It makes no difference whether it happened accidentally or intentionally. And once again, the Gemara says, teku, let it stand as a question. We're not, we're not um, concluding anything today. Okay, we're raising questions. Okay, a fourth question. So this fourth question, we have to know what a, what a Nazir is, right? A, a Nazir is someone who makes a vow Right, to become a Nazar. And a Nazar basically has three restrictions, right? He can't drink wine or eat grapes or grape products, right? He can't cut his hair. And the third thing is he can't come in contact with Tuma, with impurity from a mate, from a dead body. So he can't go into a Beta Kvart. So this question that Ravashi is about to ask is talking about whether Nazar actually did already go into a cemetery, but he went into the cemetery in a way that would be permitted. How is that? He, he's in a container. He's in a closed container, so he's not coming in contact with any of the tuma, with any of the impurity of, of, the, of the cemetery. Okay, strange case, but that's what he did. So does he have to, if he wasn't in a container to, to be contaminated, he would have to come in physical contact? Yeah, so either touching a dead body or same room, right? or in the same, same room. room right? So in the Beit HaKavar, it's generally it's open, but if you walk over a grave, or if you walk under a tree, which also... You know, that's a roof also, uh-huh. right? That, that also goes over a grave. So basically, going into a big you're going to become Tomei. Right. So he can't go in. I heard it was, for me, it was an exaggeration. Flying to Israel, and he had like a plastic bag over himself because he's, he's afraid he'd fly over a cemetery. Yeah, because Tumag like, continues to go up. But, um, yeah. But he's in, the, he's in the plane. That should be a problem. I'm, I, you it's know? sealed. Yeah, it's, I think I, I think that wouldn't be a problem. I know, you know, you know. I'll, I'll tell you what. If you if you if a person travels on El Al to Israel, so El Al a lot of times they they they, um, they have transport yeah. right right a body into in the plane. So in the El Al planes, I, I think in the El Al planes they they built something. They built the container in a way that the tuma is contained right. in the area. Basically, if you have a tefach of space, about three, four inches of space, right above, right the coffin and the compartment, so then the tuma that it stays in. If you have less than that, then the tuma shoots up. Right. So, like, I remember. Do you remember the old days of Tower Airlines? Sure, I flew them. You flew? Yeah. So I, I think I went King on Tower Solomon also. King Solomon class. Yeah. <laughs> it was the cheaper <laughs> alternative, right? So, um, it's called King Solomon class. <laughs> so um, the Tower, they also, sometimes they would, they would transport bodies, but they didn't have it. Um, I don't think they had that system. So I know a lot of the Kohanim wouldn't fly on Tower. Ah. Yeah. So, um, but El Al, I think they have it worked out. You know, Halakha, like, you know, but... Okay, anyway, so that, that I'm not sure about, though, what you're mentioning, though, that he would need to do that. That seems like the case of those are going into it with a container. You know, he should be okay. Yeah. So in such a case, now, he asked the question, by Ravashi, Ravashi asked the question, Nazar Bekever, 
the Nazar already by the kever, by the um, cemetery, by the grave, right? So the case is he, he went in in the container and then somebody came along and opened the container. Now he's became exposed to the Tuma. Okay. So it happened accidentally. But the question is, by Shihia Lamalka, does he re- before, so, he, so by a Nazir, right, there's no carbon. Right, because a carbon is only brought when it's an inadvertent transgression of a transgression of a transgression that usually carries with it karate if done intentionally. Now zero, there's no karate, but there is malkut if you do it intentionally. So the question is, if he now he accidentally became exposed to the tuma, but now he intentionally delays leaving, does he also require that amount of time that we talked about? By the Beit Hamikdash, right? The amount of time it takes to bow. Oh, enut sarik, or you don't need that amount of time. Just one second of delay, he'll be liable lashes. So the question is, bifnim gemiri shehia? Was it only this shear, this measurement of delaying, was only taught in the Beit Hamikdash? But bechutz lo gemiri. But if you're outside, like in a in a uh, cemetery, it doesn't apply. Lo gemiri shehia. We didn't learn out that amount of time of, of delay. Odilma, or perhaps Baonis Gemirishia. No, we learned about any time, type time, I'm sorry, that there was accidental contamination, that you need that amount of time. It makes no difference if you were, it was in the Beit HaMikdash, it was in a different area where you must leave because of the Tumah. And to that, again, the Gemara says, Teku, let that to stay. There's quite, yeah, quite a few Tekus here. Right, there is, you know, there is one opinion that explains the word teiku as an acronym for Tishbi Yataritz Kushiyot Viabayot, which means Tishbi Eliyahu Tishbi. Right, when he comes to announce that Mashiach is coming, he's supposed to come three days before. He'll come and he'll answer all these questions. You know, <coughs> okay, Mirza Hashem. Okay, so the uh, at the two dots, um, we um, quote from the Mishnah: Bango Ba'arufa. What if he went out the long way from the Beit Hamikdash? Chayev, then he's going to be liable. This is even if he doesn't delay. He's actually walking the whole time on his way out. There's no just staying still. But he, but he, instead of walking out the short way, the shortest way out, he takes the longest, the longer way. But sorry, if he goes out the shortest way, pator, he's going to be exempt. Okay, so the, it comes out. There's really two ways a person will be liable. Either again, just st- standing still and not moving, or <coughs> taking the long way out, even if you're on your way the whole time. So Amr Rav, Rav says, Ketzar Amru. When we said you could take the shortest way, this is incredible, Afilo Ekev Bitsad Godo. Even if you walk with your heel next to your big toe, which means that you're walking very slowly. That's what it means. So in other words, the, when, when we say like from here to that door over there is the shortest way out, so what that takes a few seconds, that it's not a time measurement. It's actually... Right, Rav is saying, it, it means specifically we have to go out the short door, even if you take an hour to do it. He goes on to say, actually, I feel kol hayom kuo. Even if it takes you the entire day to do it. You walk, you're, you're moving so slowly. <laughs> but you go out the, short, the shortest way out, you're okay. So on that, then by Rav, Rav asks the following question, shihiot mahu starfo. What if a person, like, he delays for like a second, and then he starts walking. He takes a couple steps, and then he delays a few more seconds. And then he takes another few steps, and then he delays another few seconds. Do we do we add up all of the delays together, right? And if he gets if he hits the amount of time it takes to bow, I know I don't know. Let's say it's sixty seconds. I don't know, right? If he hits that sixty second mark, he then becomes liable, or no? You need a sixty second delay at once. That's the question. So the Gemara says back, what's Rav's question? He should be able to answer from his own statement. He said, even if you're walking out so slowly, it took you the whole day to get out the door, right? You're, you're, not, you're going to be pator. So obviously, the case is I must have delayed in the middle. That's why it took me all day. And therefore, we see that they don't join together. And to that, the Gemara says, no. Hatam over there, Bidolo Shah. I never stopped. I'm moving the whole time. I'm just moving exceedingly slow. And therefore, there was never a delay. So therefore, Rava still has this question. And again, even though the Gemara doesn't say take over here, the Gemara just leaves it unresolved once again. Okay, and we have another question coming up. Baimine Abaye Mi Rabba. Right? Abaya asked the, fir- the following question from his Rebbe, Rabba. Bolob Arucha. What if you went out the farther door, okay? But I did it sheer kitsara. I did it, I ran. So I went out in the same amount of time 
that it would take me to go out the shorter way. Mm-hmm. So the shorter way takes 10 seconds, the longer way takes 20 seconds. But I ran, so I got out the longer do- the way in 10 seconds. Is that okay? Maho, what is the halacha, right? Shi'ir gemiri, was it a measure of time that we learned? Vikibango barucha, b'shir kitsara, pator. And if I go out the long way in the time it would take me to go out the short way, I'm going to be exempt. Oh, Dilma, or perhaps Davka Gamiri, right? It was very specific the way we learn this tradition, meaning Kitsara Pator, right? Going out the short way, I'm going to be exempt. Oh, Dilma, oh, Dilma, or perhaps, no, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry, I, I went back a line. Oh, Dilma Davka Gamiri, Barucha Chayev, Kitsara Pator. If I go out the long way, I'm liable. If I go out the short way, I'm exempt. So that is the question, and now we're going to try to resolve that. And he does. Rabbi responds, Amr way. He responds, The long way was never right overridden by him, meaning that he, it's dafka. He has to go out the short way. So it's amount of, it's not a sheer of time. It's not a measurement of time. It's, it's specifically you have it's to purpose. go the closest. It, it, it sounds like purpose, intent. Int- right. It's not time. It's yeah, it's, it's not time. So you can take all day, but you have to also be moving the whole time. You can't delay yeah. either. So, um. <laughs> I wonder. I mean, is it also? Is there a degree of sort of what other people would see? Um, I mean, I, I know it's not mentioned. Like it's a marred iron type yeah, of thing. Like, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, that's an interesting thing because, like, what is it that you have to specifically get the short? You know, Regardless it's that you can't. How long it takes you. Yeah, I was just thinking it's about like since I'm Tame, like I can't. I I I have to. Um, Cover as much as least ground in the Beit Hamikdash as much. If I go that way, even if I go fast, I'm actually spreading, so to speak, my contamination. I'm mean, even if not literally spreading that's it, but like throughout. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's yeah, what I was thinking. Yeah. But but you know what you're saying makes sense. Also, it could be also like because you're you yeah, yeah. If you have sir, you're you're supposed to be outside of the of the congregation right. for the purpose of not contaminating, right? Right. So that gets to the issue of the shortest versus the longest. Right. Right? Yeah. You have the greatest exposure right. the when longest. You, even if you're running. Right. No matter yeah. how you do it, you're <coughs> still covering the most, most ground. ground. Right. So the purpose is, as you stated, is to yeah. have the least ground covered yeah. for the purpose of not contaminating. Right? Yeah, exactly. So that makes, that's what you would intuit. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so that, that's so. At the end, he says it's, it's specific. You have to go out the short way, even if even if it takes longer. Okay, so um, or even if you would have ran the other way. Okay, Matka Flavrebzera, but Rebzera objected to this um, with the following. So now, in order to understand this, we we have to know that there's two different punishments that the Gemara mentions at times. It's really from the Chumash, right? Um, and they're very similar, but they're slightly different. One is what we call mita bide shemayim. It's premature death at the hands of heaven. And the other is oh, what we... So yeah. we talked about yeah, yeah. So mita bide shemayim and korit are not exactly the That's same. That's what we're going to talk about, those two, and korit. Yeah, yeah. They're two different right, right. things. So they, they both mean premature death in the hands of heaven. That's what they both mean. But korit is understood as to being more severe. It's worse. Um, so... What, what's the difference? So there's different opinions. So one opinion is it's an age. Like that, they say mita b'deshemayim is between the ages of fifty and sixty, and karit is a sudden death, but above sixty. Um, there's a second. There's a second approach. I think it's Rashi that says that karit also um, has with it. God forbid that a person would die childless. Okay, that right. That that could also be part of it. And then the third one, and I think this is the one that people most think about when they think of the word karate to me, because excision, be cut off, that it also has lingering effects in Olam Haba. But meet the Beishamayim, the person gets the punishment in this world, and that's it. They go on to Olam Haba, they're at Tzaddik, as far as they're concerned there. But in, by, by karate, there's punishment in this world and also in the next world. So um, whatever you say, karate is worse than meet the Beishamayim. But whatever karate has... Um, it, it, um, whatever mita b'nei shemayim has, I should say, karit has plus. That's the idea. And so what we're going to be throwing around is a situation. We're going to try to figure out um, a situation how a person can be liable mita b'nei shemayim and not be liable karit. We'll see what we're, we're speaking about as we go on. So Reb Zera is asking this question we just said. The Kaimulan we established, it, it was a Gemara in Sanhedrin, Tomei Shashimish. If a Kohen who is Tame went into the Beit HaMikdash and he actually did the Avodah in the state of impurity, it says Bemita. He's liable, Mita Bidei Shemaim. He's liable, right, premature in death in the hands of heaven. 
So the Gemara wants to know Heki Mishchachadwa. How do we find this? How do we find that he'll be liable to meet the Bidish and not current? Because we already said, you know, if, if, a, if a person became Tame on the outside of the Beit HaMikdash and he entered the Beit HaMikdash, one is liable current for that alone. <laughs> so there's nothing to talk about that he's liable to meet the Bidish You can't die twice, right? You know, like, it's like he's going to get, like, so what's the case that he would be meet the Bidish and not get current? So it must be that he became Tame inside. So he says, the Gemara says, well, exactly how do we find this? If the case is he didn't delay at all going out, well, if there was no delay, how did he do the avoda when he was coming? It takes time. And if he did delay, right, the amount of time that, you know, to, to bow down, he's already liable, and therefore there's nothing to talk about. So, so Reb Zeris says we would have an answer in the following way: E Amrit Bishlomo. If you would say it would be very good, Shiora Gemiri, that really it was a time limit that we learned. In other words, if you go out the long way, but you run, and you go out, you know, you get out the long way in ten, in ten seconds. So then you're okay. So you could come up with the following thing: Mishnachat La. Can find the honest nafshi. He really exerted himself. He pushed himself, right. To do the avoda really quickly, and then Bikitsara, right? Go out to show we the avoda, and he did the avoda as well. In other words, he did something really quick, and he and he ran, and he did the whole thing in ten seconds. That would be possible. But Ella if you're going to say what you're saying is moved on my bet, right? Um, that it's dafka gamiri. No, it's like you have to go out the short door. Then hechi How do we find a case where a person did the avoda? So Amr Abaye. Abaye says back, he says, my kushia, right? What is the difficulty? Mishchachat, while we could find it, Kagon, for instance, Shabbat he did go out the short way, but as he was going, he went by the altar, the Mizbeach, and he had a pitchfork in his hand, and he like turned over a piece of the carbon that was, um, of the sacrifice that was burning there, so that it would burn, right? Um, and that was the avodah that he did. Um, so that's possible to do it. Like as he's walking by, it takes like a half a second, and you know there was no delay, and therefore, right, that's a case where he won't be liable karate, and therefore he'll be liable the meet the for doing an avoda in a state of impurity. And how do we know that turning over, right, a piece of meat on the on the altar right, is considered an avoda? Hukidarafuna. It's based on where Rafuna said, the Amr Rafuna, for Rafuna said, Zar. A Zar literally means a stranger. It means stranger to the Beit HaMikdash, a non-Kohen. Shehafak Bitzimort Nura. If he went and he turned over, right? Hafak. Hafak. Right. Hafuk. Right. The flip. The flip, right. He flipped over the piece of meat on the altar. Yeah, with the drink? The coffee? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Okay. <laughs> so he did this with this pitchfork, right? Chayev Mita. He's liable. Right again, death in the hands of heaven. We know when a non-Kohen does the avoda, he's liable to beat the Bidei Shemaim. So we see from the fact, by just turning over the piece of meat with the pitchfork, he's going to be high meat the Bidei Shemaim. It's considered an avoda. And therefore, yeah. you can have a case of meet the Bidei Shemaim here by the Kohen that became Tomei without having karate. You can find a case. It's, it's, it's interesting that the Gemara and Sanhedrin make a ruling for it like, in, in such an odd case. It would be in such a specific you know, situation, but that's what we have. You know, that's where out. law, contemporary jurisprudence, and the Gemara are very different in terms of the legal system. Because they always say that you don't learn out a law from an exception. Yeah. You, know, you, you don't, you don't yeah. learn out a general principle yeah. from an exception. Here we, no, it's yeah. like the yeah, most unbelievable, convoluted, <laughs> we learn out a principle. Right, that's right, that's <laughs> right, exactly. It's so different than American yeah. jurisprudence. Right, right, right. Okay, I think there are some similarities, though, in, in no, the no, approach. No, no, for sure, but, but I'm like, saying, yeah, but this particular this pr- always this strikes me. We've yes. always, we have this enough. Right, a and lot of... Like, if, you know, if this and you very this, specific cases. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's what Ed, you were in here when Ed was saying his father, Elishon, taught him that, that clearly a lot of things we learn out could never have happened, <laughs> but right, right. we do it for the purposes of... of or in principles, a, a principle, yeah. yeah. You know? that, that can be applied then to a more practical right, yeah, case, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, um, five lines down. Gufa. So Gufa, the Gemara says the word Gufa means it itself, um, to introduce a statement that we mentioned previously in passing, and now we're going to discuss it. It's the very last statement. Amar Ravuna. Ravuna says, Zar Shehavak Bitsinura, a non-Kohen who came into the Beit HaMikdash, and he turned over a piece of meat on the Mizbeach, 
right? With a pitchfork, chayav mita. He's liable the death penalty for doing an avoda in the Beit Hamikdash. So hey, it says for hechidami. What is exactly the case? If the case was that the piece of meat was like on the side of the fire, so that if he would never, he would not have turned it towards the fire, it would not have been consumed. Well, then pshita. It's very obvious that that's considered avoda. He's causing the meat to burn. That's an, that's an avoda, and therefore we wouldn't even need Rafuna to be mechadesh that to us. We wouldn't even need to teach it to us. And if you're going to tell me that if he didn't turn it over, it would have eventually, it would have burned, it would have been consumed by the fire. Well, then my kavit, what is he really doing? He's not doing an avoda. It would have burned anyway. And the Gemara says, it's necessary. If he didn't turn it over, he would have. It would have been consumed in two hours. But now, because he turned it towards the, the greater part of the flame, right? It's going to be um, consumed in one hour. And why is that an avodah? Rav Huna is teaching us the following. The krove avoda avodahui. Anybody who hastens the um, avoda from being fulfilled, from being finished, that's considered an avoda itself. Even though it would have happened eventually, we find this. I was thinking about we find this concept like by um, the halachot of Shabbat as well, right? One of the things that one can't do is, is cook. What if you have something that's already cooking, <clears throat> but then you do something to hasten it to make it cook quicker, right? You stir the pot, whatever, something like that. That's also a problem in Shabbat, right? So that's um, it's 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 a, it's it's the same idea we have here, but the avodah in the Beit Hamikdash hastening it is the is considered the act itself. Um, okay, Amar Ravoshia. Ravosha came along. I love this statement. He says, "Beina, beina. I want the ema milta. I want to say a thing, some some statement. However, Mister Fina Michavraya, I'm afraid of my colleagues because they're going to object to it. <laughs> but of course, after saying that, he says it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid they're going to object, but I'm going to say it. Okay, Hanikna. My wife says that, you know, uh, Ronnie, I love you very much, but. And, I, and then she says something, which you know, it's, not, it's not a good thing, right? You know, right, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's part of the human condition right? we do that. Yeah, okay. So, so, in order to understand what he's talking about, we've got to know about a Bayat The Torah talks about the, the um, skin disease of Sarat. Right? A person becomes Tameh if he has Sarat. Okay, but Surat, we know the Torah tells us it's not just on a person. Right? It can be on a person's yes. house also. Right? There's a spot in the house, and if, if it's really declared to be Tameh, so then um, everything in the house also becomes Tameh as well. And, and, and um, if, if your person goes into the, into the house, also they become Tameh. So he says like this, If a person enters into a house that was already declared to be a house of Surat, but he went in backwards. Okay, he walked in, okay, you know, back first, right? And he says, (laughs) And he entered, his entire body entered except for his nose. He had a Jewish nose, okay? And the nose protruded out the door, but the rest of his body is in there, right? Tahor, he's going to be Tahor, he's going to be now. Now, why should it be? the, The Torah says if you enter into a house... You become Tameh. It doesn't necessarily say you have to, the whole body has to enter. You just enter, even part of your body. So here, just because his nose is protruding, why should it be Tahor? So he says, Dichtiv, because the Pasuk says, right, it, when describing this, and I think it's Parsha Tazriah, it says you have to come into the house. No, he says, Derech Bia, the normal way of walking in. The pro, it says you have to go in, right? That means you have to go in the way a person normally goes in, which is front first, not back first. So that's why he's going to be shinoi. I mean, yeah, it's like it, yeah, the concept a little bit like a shinoi, because the, the Gemara um, darshans from the word bahaba to come. That means the way you normally come, like. I mean, I, I think most of us do that. Um, <laughs> you probably don't walk in your house backwards. So that, that's how they understood it, right? Derek Bia Asra Torah, right? Only the, the normal way of coming in did the Torah forbid. But he goes on to say, Mr. Fina Mechavraya, I was afraid of my colleagues because if, if that was really true, they're going to say to me, then Kulonami, even if my whole body would go in, I should still be Tahor. 
So in other words, right, he's, he's making the statement, this is only, you only tar if your nose is sticking out. But the reason that your tar he gave is because he went in in the unusual way. Well, therefore, even if, the, the, if my colleagues are going to say, well, even if my whole body goes in, you should still be tahor. So, but there is an answer to this question. So Amar Rava, Rava says, no, Kulo, the entire body is lo gara mikelem shebamai. It should be, no, then you're no different than any of the utensils in the house. What does this mean? So I think, you know, in order to understand this here, this is for, there's just a few sukkim on this uh, for today. I, um, I wrote them all down, but look at the second pasuk there. This is really a, a, actually a beautiful idea. Um, it's to, here the Torah, Torah is talking about, right, the Bayez Hamaduga, right, this house of Sarat. It says, Ritziva HaKohen, the Kohen would come, and he would command, Upinu Etabayat, right, that you should clear, he would tell the owner, take out everything from your house, Betarim Yavo HaKohen, before the Kohen comes in, Lero Tetanega, to see the, 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 the um, plague. Now, th- why is this? Right? Well, he goes on to, let me, let me finish the passage. First of all, <clears throat> and not everything in the house should become Tameh. Then afterwards, the Kohen will come in to see. Why is this? Because there's an interesting halacha over here, that the house only becomes Tameh once the Kohen pronounces it to be Tameh. Meaning, it's not the Nege itself, it's not the Sarat itself that is causing the Tumah. It's the Kohen's pronunciation that the house is Tameh. So he says to them, he says, you know what's going to happen if I go in there and I pronounce the house Tameh, everything in the house becomes Tameh. And you know what? There's certain things that you can't bring to the mikvah. You can't write, um, you know, um, purify, and therefore you're going to lose them. And we, we learn a principle from here, a beautiful idea, HaTorah Chasa Amamona Shal Yisrael. The Torah had pity on the finances of, um, on the money of, a, <coughs> of, of the Jewish people. Halavai day school should also, but like um, it's amazing. Yeah. That concept, is it? Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful concept. Beautiful concept. The Kohen actually said, "Bring everything out first. I don't want. I don't want you to lose all the, your possessions." It's a beautiful idea. Because you know, today <laughs> you learn in, in the certain communities that forget about it. If it's in the house now, if it used to be in the house. It's also Torah. <laughs> I'm just saying that, that would be the way we, we would learn out, right? To be Mahmur. It doesn't have to be there. Right. Yeah. 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 So but what we do see is once he pronounces the house to be Tomei, everything in the house becomes Tomei. So what he's, what he, what he's um, saying now is Rava is defending, um, I forget who, who said the statement, Rabbi Oshia. Right, he's defending him. He says the reason he said that the nose was still protruding because if the body was in there completely, he would be no different than, than the kalem, than the utensils of the house. Right, mikalem shabai dictiv, as the pasuk says, we just read it. Below yitma Right, the kohen says that go, take everything out, so not everything in the house should become tamei. So we see anything that's in the house, and in the house means totally within the house. Right. One, it will become Tamei. So really it comes out that, the, that there's two ways that, that, a, that the person will become Tamei. Either, right, or um, if, he wa- if he enters even part of his body, but he enters the normal way, or he's in the house when, when after the house was, become, um, was, was pronounced to be Tamei, even if he got in there in the abnormal way. Okay, and therefore the only way for him to remain Tahar is to walk in backwards and to keep part of his body outside, namely his nose. Okay, and the Gemara, right, now brings a proof to Rabbi Oshia from Abraita. And this proof is from a totally different situation, but Rabbi Oshia is, is basing his halacha on the word in the Torah of Haba el the one who has to come to the house, meaning you come in a normal fashion. So you see, he says, we see this concept elsewhere. Tanya nami hachi, in the following, we have a bright that says, Lake Ravosia. Gagem halalo, those roofs, what is he referring to? There were chambers in the Azara, in the Beit HaMikdash. And these were, they had roofs on it. So the Gemara, or the Brayta says that these roofs, Ein Ochun Sham Kadshe Kadashim. You know, the Karbanot, known as Kadshe Kadashim, which are the Karbanot that had to be eaten in the Beit HaMikdash itself, could not be eaten on the roof of these chambers. The reason is, is because that area was not considered Kadosh, right? It, it was only the ground, only the ground of the Beit HaMikdash. And similarly, Ein Shoktim Sham Kadashim Kalam. Kadashim Kalam are the Karbanot that can be eaten anywhere in Yerushalayim, but even those had to be shechted, they had to be slaughtered in the Beit HaMikdash proper. So you can't go up on the roof and do that. And v'tamei shenichnas derek gagen. Whatever person is tamei, and he enters 
into the Beit HaMikdash, but he comes through the roof, right? He, he stumps on the roof and he jumps onto the Heichol from there, right? He says, La Heichol, and he goes through like an opening. He says, Pator, even though you're not allowed to, Atami can't, can't enter into the Beit HaMikdash, in this case, he's going to be exempt from any punishment. Why? Shenemar is the Pasuk says, it's also in Tazria, it says, Ve'elah Mikdash lo Tavo. To the Beit HaMikdash, a person who is Tamei cannot go. Cannot right come. So we say derech bia asra Torah only in the normal fashion of coming in is that when the Torah um, forbade it. And th- so we see the same principle when the Torah says coming, it means normal coming, right? Not jumping through the roof, <laughs> or not, or similarly not walking in backwards. You have to go in the normal fashion. Okay, the two dots is, is a is a quote from our Mishnah. Right, the Mishnah, after discussing at length the case of a, a person who became Tomei in the Azara, and that he has to get out as quick as possible, it said, Zuhi mitzvah nasi. This is the positive mitzvah, Sheba Mikdash of the Beit HaMikdash, Shein Chayav that They're not uh, liable to. So back in the Mishnah, he actually explained what this is going on, but now we'll let the Gemara explain it. Gemara is going to be bothered by this statement. Um, because, and why the Gemara is bothered by the Mishnah saying, oh, this is what this other thing meant, like, it's obviously referring to something else what is that something else, and that's what the Gemara asks right away, Hecha Kai, where is the Mishnah going on, the Ka'amrit, and it said Zuhi, this is it so the Gemara answers Hatem Kai, it's going over there so if you might remember, this is a Mishnah in Horiot, Horiot I told you, is two Mishnah away from that and it deals with situations where the Sanhedrin made an incorrect ruling, specifically they permitted something that is forbidden by the Torah by pain of karate. Okay, serious mistake by the Sanhedrin, and then as a result, the majority of the Jewish people transgressed, so the Jews don't individually have to bring korbanot in that case, but the Sanhedrin is responsible. It's called a par halam davar, a big bow, they have to bring as the korban. So it goes on to say now, in that Mishnah, in chayavim, they're not going to be liable on either the positive command or the negative command of the Beit HaMikdash. What is that referring to? The positive is talking about a case where a person became Tomei in the Beit HaMikdash, the case we've been discussing, right? And what's the, he has a positive mitzvah to get out of there as quick as possible. The Lotus say is if he became Tomei outside the Beit HaMikdash and he has a prohibition of entering the Beit HaMikdash. So what the Mishnah there is saying is that which the Sanhedrin has to bring a, a Parhelam Dover, the special Karban, if they make a mistake, doesn't apply to, to the mitzvot of the Beit HaMikdash. Why is that? Rashi explains because Parhelam Dover is only um, comes for an Avera when an individual would have done it. He would bring a fixed Karban Chata meaning he would bring like a, a, a sin offering from an animal. Over here, we remember Olive learning, Yorid. it's the Olaviyorid, it's the variable offering, depending on your, your level of wealth. And therefore, Par Halam Davar, the Sanhedrin special karban, does not apply here. And similarly, for the same reason, you don't bring an Asham Talai for these two Averot as well. What's an Asham Talai? An Asham Talai is as follows. As I just said, like, um, I'm going to give you the example because we'll come up later in the Gemara of um, eating chalav. Chalav is the forbidden, forbidden fats of an animal. It's the fats that basically cover the kidneys and the intestines. It's the part that we put on the mizbeach, on the altar, by a carbon. You're not allowed to eat them. And the Torah says a person eats them, you get correct, which means if we eat, a person eats it bishogig inadvertently, they bring a carbon chata. So what happens um, if a person ate a piece of meat and not sure if it was actually... Chalav, or it was it was a kosher fat. They weren't sure. Okay, so um, the halacha is you can't bring a korban chata because you're not for sure that you did the avera. But at the same time, you don't want to do nothing because if I did, you know, I, I need a kapara, I need an atonement. So you bring what's called an asham tawai. Asham is a guilt offering. Tawai means it suspends. It suspends any punishment until the time I might be able to ascertain whether I actually ate. The, of something forbidden or not, So what we're saying is, in the case of by the entering the Beit Hamikdash in the state of Tumah or not leaving the Beit Hamikdash when you're coming, right? By those, there's no Asham Tawai. because again, Asham Tawai only even if, if in the case where you were besuffic, where you were in doubt, you wouldn't bring in Asham Tawai. <coughs> Asham Tawai only applies when there's a fixed korban chata, not a variable. 
one. Okay, continuing on. So that was the Mishnah in in Horio. And the um, whoops, I'm sorry, there's still more to the Mishnah. It says, Aval, but in contrast to that, Chayavim al Asevi al Shabinida, one is going to be liable for similar positive and negative commandments by Anida, by the, having relations with a woman right after she had a period and has not gone to the mikveh yet. And you also bring in Asham Talai, you bring a, a, the, the guilt offering to suspend punishment, right? If you're in Suffolk, if a person is in doubt by, um, by, by transgressing one of the commandments by Anida as well. So, so, by, so we contrast Nida with, um, with the Beit HaMikdash. So by Beit HaMikdash, no Parm Halam Dover, no special carbon for the Sanhedrin, no uh, Ashim Talai, by neither there are both. So now the Gemara explains for Kamar, our Mishnah now says, Zuhi Mitzvah it says, it identifies that which we've been talking about, the person who became Tamei in the Beit HaMikdash and delayed leaving, that's the Ase, the positive commandment that we're talking about in Horio, that the, there would be no Parm Halam Dover for it. There would be no special carbon for the Sanhedrin. So since we're already talking about the Mishnah Hariya, our Mishnah went on to discuss the next line. What would be the positive mitzvah by Yanida? That one would be liable for, with the Sanhedrin would be liable, and they would be liable in Hashem Tawai. Here's the case that you were talking about earlier today, right? A person is having intimate relations with his wife who is in a state of purity. She's not in Nida. The Amr in the middle... She says to him, Nitmeti, right? I became impure. I, 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 I got my period. So, and then, Uperish Miyad, and he withdraws immediately, right? Chayev, he's going to be liable. He, right? Why? Because pulling out while he's still erect, right, gives him pleasure, like when he enters her body as well. So it's like having relations with Anita all over, or not even in this case all over, just he's having relations with Anita. So rather he has a mitzvah asay, he has a positive command to just sit still, right, basically, until right, right, his organ grows limp, and then he can withdraw. So if he doesn't do that, so then in that case he's going to be Right, Chayev, a carbon chatat. That's a that's a fixed carbon chatat. And therefore, if Sanhedrin would have would have ruled incorrectly in that case, the majority of the Jewish people would have transgressed. Right, the Sanhedrin would have brought their carbon. And if he's in doubt, if he did this, he would have to bring an Ashim Tali. They all apply. Okay, we're gonna now. The Gemara is going to elaborate on this case a little bit. So this piece it starts here, and it's gonna, we're going to continue with, um, about eight lines down until Yudchet. So you know we have the time today. We'll get until that spot. spot. Um, where's a good stopping place? So itmar, it was stated, Abaye Amar Mishmeda Rebchia, Bar Rav, right? Abaye said in the name of Rebchia, the son of Rav. Chayev <clears> Shtayim. <throat> in this case, in a case where a person had relations with a nida, he says he's actually going to have to bring two korban chatat, two sin offerings. The Gemara is going to explain in a minute. Vikain Amar Rava, Amar of Shmuel Bar Shava, Amar of Huna. Rava also said in the name of Shmuel Bar Shava, who said in the name of Huna, Chayiv Shtayim. Two. Why two? Chad Akinisa, one for entering, there's a pleasure for entering into her body, Vachad Aprisha, and one for withdrawing. So the Gemara now is going to spend the next um, several lines trying to figure out how you're going to have two. So Havi Bar. It says Rabbah in the Gemara, but on the side, he changes it, the text, to Rava. Okay? Different generation. So, Havi Bar Rava. Rava had a question about this. <coughs> Excuse me. Bimai. With what are we talking about? Iwema Samach Lavesta. If we're talking about a woman that is it's close to the time of her anticipated period. We know that a woman, a married woman, has to uh, try to anticipate when she'll get a period based on her cycle. And during that time, when it comes close to that time, right, the husband and wife are supposed to refrain from having relations at that moment. Now, the truth of the matter is, one should be aware of the fact, and it's going to be important to understand the Gemara, is that even though it's forbidden to have relations during that time, that does not result in the punishment of karet, right? Karet is only if a person has relations with a woman who is actually in nida. Right here, it's just at a time where she's anticipating a period, so it's not as severe as a you know, punishment. It's just, you know, something, a prohibition that one should not do. So if we're talking about where time when she was anticipating her period, 
And then he says, Uvaman. And whom, who are we talking about? If we're talking about a Torah scholar, a Torah scholar, we presume, knows all the laws. Right? He knows you're not supposed to have relations at that time. And he also knows that if she becomes a need in the middle, he can't withdraw immediately. So he says, then Bishlam Akinisa Lachayev. I understand why he should be liable for entering the woman's body. Now, before we go any further, there's something important to understand about Kormichata. Kormichata, you know, there's three levels of Avera. There's Mazet, when I do something intentionally. Right? For that, there's no Kormichata because I need a stronger Kapara. I need a stronger atonement than just a carbon. The, on the other spectrum, side of the spectrum is Onus. When I do something that's completely um, unavoidable, Right, it wasn't. It was a complete accident. No negligence on my on my part. Then, in that case, um, there's no korban because I didn't do anything wrong. But there's a middle case called shogeg. Shogeg is I did it unintentionally. I didn't want to do the sin, but there was a certain level of negligence involved. Okay, so in that case, then I have to bring a korban. Okay, right. We're going to talk about like for instance Shabbat. A person forgets the Shabbat, and then they do a malacha. They turn the light on, right? So in that case, so it was, certainly didn't intend to break Shabbat, but there was a certain negligence, because you shouldn't forget a Shabbat. Even 4 o'clock in the morning, right? You shouldn't forget a Shabbat, right? So there's a certain level of negligence. So that would be uh, Korban Chata. There's a second role by Korban Chata as well. That if a per- Let's say a person does the same transgression twice in a row. So if it's in one um, state, one period of... of forgetfulness, they only have to bring one korban chata. For instance, the case I just gave you, I forgot it was Shabbat, and I turned the light on, and then a minute later, I turned another light on. So even though I did it twice, I only have to bring one korban chata. But let's say I turned the light on, and oh, it's Shabbat. Okay. And then I forget it's Shabbat again, I turn another light on. Then I actually have to bring two korban chata. Okay? So bearing these two rules in, it has to be the middle category of shogeg, and it has to be, to have two, you have to have two separate you know, state periods of, like, awareness, basically. Okay, so let's go back to the Gemara. So he says, so with two lines from the bottom, Bishlama Kenisa Lechayv, in a case where it's, again, at the time where she's anticipating her period, and, right, it's talking about a Talmud Chacham, a Torah scholar who knows all the laws. So I understand for entering her her body, right, he should be liable, a Korban Chatat. Why? Because suffer, because... You know, we would think maybe this is considered like bemazed intentional. Like he knows she, he, she's about to get a period. So what is he doing? So he says no, because he holds. He could say Yucholani Livo. I could finish the act before. He really thinks like he's gonna be able to, you know, finish this before she becomes a need. And he wound up m- making a mistake. So that's unintentional, but it's gross negligence. Probably it's negligence, and therefore he has to bring a chata. But Ella Aprisha for for withdrawing. Right? If, if he withdrew too quickly, and he's a Talmud Chacham, he knows the Halacha, Amai Lechayv, why would he be liable at Kormich Hatta? who? He knows what he's doing, he's wrong. And therefore there's no Kormich. So that can be the case of two Korbanas. So we move to Yudchet, and the Gemara continues, it says, If we're talking about a person who is not a scholar, right? He's an ignorant person, so he doesn't know you're not supposed to have relations during that time of the month, and he, he doesn't know you, you can't withdraw right away. So then, ed v ed, both the entering and the withdrawing, achol It's like eating two, right, um, olive portions of chelav, of forbidden fats, in one f- period of forgetfulness. In other words, he was a show. You know, he, it, this is certainly not amazing because he didn't know the halacha. It's not onus either. The reason it's not unavoidable either, because thinking that something is permitted when it's really not. Is a, is a level of negligence also, right? Everybody, every Jew is obligated to learn. They have to come to the Nafiyomi every morning, right? They have to learn, right? Um, so they'll know the halacha, right? So that, it, there's a certain level of negligence. So it's unintentional, but it's negligence. So he, he would have to bring a, a carbon, but says the Gemara, it would only be one carbon because he did the same act, the same avera, twice in one. He, he didn't learn anything in between, and therefore, right, it's only one. So that can't be the case. So then the Gemara tries another thing. Ella, rather, it's Bishain Samachaves. Okay, he was having relations not during that time of the month, when she was not anticipating her period. So he says, Uvaman, who are we talking about? If you're talking about a Torah who knows all the laws, he should not be obligated at all. You know why? Akanisa, for going into the woman's body, Anos. It's an unavoidable um, mistake. <coughs> it was not during the time of month where she was expecting a period, right? 
So there was nothing wrong with what he did. So that's an onus. He's certainly exempt for that. And on Prisha, and on withdrawing too quickly, if he's a Talmud Chacham and he knows the Halacha, maze it. He's intentional. And therefore, this still not a carbon. So there's zero carbon in that case. And Iba Amaretz, and if you're talking about a person who is unscholarly, right? He's ignorant of the laws. So he says, still, you know, by the Kinesa, by going in during that time of the month when she's not anticipating a period, right? It's a onus. So he wouldn't be liable for that. But if he would be liable, one, Aprisha, for, for pulling out too early because of his lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge is a shogate, as you said before. It's unintentional, but negligent. And therefore, he would have to bring one carbon. So based, we went through four different possibilities. Right? I have another chart in front of you. You can look. But right, the most we got was one. In one of the situations, we got zero. Yeah. So what's the case where Rava said you're going to get two? So Hadar Amar Rava, Rava came back later, and he said, you know what? This is the case. We owe him B'Samech Ovesta. Let's go back to the case where it was the time of month when she was expecting her period. Over Talmud Chacham. We're talking about Talmud Chacham. So if we said before by a scholar, right, the case was, so on the... Kinesa and, and going into her body, he, that's a shogeg. Because he thought he could have the relationship before she got a period. But on the Prisha, on, on withdrawing too quickly, he's amazed. We said he's intentional because he knows the halacha. So the Gemara gives a brilliant answer. He's a Talmud Chacham for the halacha that you're not allowed to have relations with your wife that time of month, which creates a certain level of negligence, which makes him a shogeg. But as far as halacha that you cannot write withdraw so quickly, he wasn't a Talmud Chacham for that. He didn't know that law. Meaning, right, he missed that day yeshiva. Well, I don't know. He was sick. Okay, so he missed that. He, he missed the nafiomi that day, whatever it was. And so he knew one thing, he didn't know the other. So on the first act, right, since he knew that you weren't supposed to have a relation so he, that time, he's, it makes him negligent. Right. No, in the second one, no, when you don't know halacha, you're not an onus. You're that you're still a level of negligence because you should have known the halacha. So there's a negligence there, so therefore you're a shogi. So he's a shogi on both, right? And therefore, right, um, right, he's going to be liable, right? Both, he's going to be liable for both, and and you're <laughs> um, okay. I think this is where we're going to stop. Um,